Welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold. I'm Mark Green from the Cars Yeah! podcast. And I'm Keith Martin from Sports Car Market. This is Buy, Sell, Hold, show number 20. Welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold, the sports car market podcast. Market experts and car friends for over 30 years, Keith Martin and Mark Green have come together through their mutual love for collector cars. Keith and Mark will take you on a ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so that you know when to make your own decisions to buy, sell, or hold. Number 20. Well, buy, sell, hold is what we like to call the essence of collecting. The collector car world is comprised of people who buy, they sell, and they hold their cars that they love. Here on Buy, Sell, Hold, Keith and I will talk with industry leaders, collectors, auction houses, consignors, sellers, and today we're talking with an attorney. So, Keith, who is the other gentleman on the phone with us today? You know, our guest today, Mark, is my good friend, uh, John Dranius. He's an attorney at Dranius Hoogland Cooper, LLC. But most importantly, he has been the author of The Legal Files in Sports Car Market, which surveys show consistently is the most read part of the magazine next to my column, of course. (laughs) Well, that means he needs a raise, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, John. Welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold. Let's jump right in. If you could describe the collector car market today in one word, what would that word be and why? Well, the one word I would use is changing. And, and if you want to be fancier, I would call it transitioning. But I've talked to a lot of people, as, as you would imagine, their uh, clients, their friends, their brokers, their buyers, their sellers. And there's so many different currents hitting our hobby at the same time. And it's just not going to be the same. So we, we have... Uh, uh, some of the, you know, many, probably most of the, the major collectors in the country are in their 70s and 80s, and they're learning or discovering that their kids don't want their collections, they don't drive their cars as much as they used to, they're not as much fun as they were, they need to unload them, the market's been strong, and they've been looking to liquidate. Buyers are, you know, as Keith, you've written many times in the magazine, buyers often uh, are buying the cars that they relished in their youth and they couldn't afford, and now they're buying them. Well, those buyers uh, are buying 70s, 80s, 90s cars, not the 50s, 60s cars that we've all been collecting. So the buyer is kind of changing. We've got the yeah, you know, the big elephant in the room, the coronavirus pandemic is affecting the market in amazing ways. You know, it's, the market's softened. Uh, people are still buying cars, but everything I hear from dealers in particular is that everybody wants a deal. Everybody wants to pay full bore for a car. Uh, we've got uh, environmental restrictions uh, that are increasing. We've got a lot of the population is becoming anti-car. All of these factors are hitting us at the same time and and you would think would have a a depressing effect on the market, but the market keeps showing resilience. People keep buying cars because they're a lot more fun than the other, you know, the new cars, the, you know, the electric cars, all the different alternatives are just not quite the fun. 
same amount of fun as a carbureted engine and a four-speed manual transmission and a car that handles. So it's going to change. It's going to be a different makeup. It's going to be a different scent, but it's all kind of happening at the same time. And it's an interesting time. And it's just a big, giant transition we're going to live through. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about your collecting habits here. And I will say I've been a reader of sports car market for over 30 years, and I love your column, John. I, it is one of, the, of course, I read Keith's first, always. <laughs> but then I go to John's page, and uh, I, I really— No, you two, are, you, two are the, you two are the only two that say that. <laughs> well, you just shouldn't listen to anybody but us because we know what's going on. Uh, but I really do enjoy it. And you've actually—I shouldn't say actually. You have taught me things that I didn't know. And you've helped me in the couple cases of when I went to sell cars or buy cars. And and uh, believe it or not, I, I keep your sections in the magazine. I share my sports car market magazine with friends and they always say, how come there's always two pages ripped out of this thing? And Well, I put it in my legal files. I have my own actual legal files that I keep and I make a note at the top what it relates to. So I really appreciate what you brought to the market. I want to tell you listeners a little bit more about John and then we're going to jump into our questions about buy, sell, hold here. John Dranius is a true car guy. I met John over 20 years ago at a Porsche parade event in Portland. That's when you and I first met John. He collects, he races, and he actually cleans his cars once in a while, unlike Keith. Uh, He also likes to do a little bit of maintenance. I had to put that in there. His law practice focuses on business and tax planning, primarily for the closely held businesses and their owners with an emphasis in all areas of income taxation, estate planning, tax controversies, and he presents car collectors as an important part of his practice. Represents, I should say. Automotive enthusiasts will recognize John from his writing in Sports Car Market Magazine's legal files we've talked about, where he contributes and has contributed for over 10 years. This has uh, led to a sizable practice representing car collectors for his practice, which is pretty cool. John is also a past guest of mine on cars. Yeah, John, you were on my show back on July 24th. 2017 and boy has a lot changed since 2017 we'll be back in a minute to talk more with john but first a special deal from the team at sports car market magazine so stay buckled up we've got an attorney in the house and we'll be right back i've been subscribing to sports car market magazine for decades and it shows up like clockwork in my mailbox every month but what about when i'm on the road did you know that digital subscriptions to sports car market are just two dollars and fifty cents a month when you sign up with the promo code digital 50 that's less than a cup of coffee you get 50 percent off regular price just for listening here to buy sell hold plus digital subscribers receive instant access to a year's worth of back issues and the exclusive Insider's Guide, including the 2020 Insider's Guide to the beautiful Amelia Island Concourse, and all the spring auctions as well. No more boredom while sitting at the airport or on your flight. To get your Sports Car Market digital subscription at this discount, go to sportscarmarket.com slash digital50. Your order will automatically get you the 50% off. What a deal. Go and sign up today at sportscarmarket.com slash digital50. All right, we're back. So, Keith, take it away. So, John, today we're going to talk about three vehicles in your life, a very special vehicle that you bought, one that you sold, and one that you would never let go of. Let's start with the year, make, and model of a vehicle that was a very special buy for you. Share with us the purchase price. Was it simple or complicated, and how long did you chase the car for? 
Well, I'd, I'd like to tell you about my 57 Alpha Julieta Spider. I uh, got enamored with the car, uh, and I wanted one. Um, I think the reason that I wanted one was I did uh, Martin Swig's California Millie in a friend's Porsche Speedster, and there were these two guys behind us in a Julieta that were trying to keep up with us. And every time I looked in the rearview mirror, they were back there, and I couldn't believe how well that car drove because, you know, I was driving pretty pretty spirited as, as it was. So I spent a lot of time looking at it and decided I wanted one. And this is, this is a long time ago. This is back in like 2000. And I looked for a year off and on, and then I found one on a, really kind of hate to say this, on eBay. And I looked at it. I liked it. And I got you, Keith, to, to help me with it because you know more about Alpha than, than anybody else, and I knew that. And uh, the seller had a bunch of photographs on, on the listing, and uh, and the car was at an auction. It was in Arizona, in Tempe, and the and I was going down to Arizona that weekend for the car auctions. So it was going to be, I think it was my first time, second time going down there. And the auction, uh, eBay auction, was ending on Thursday, uh, and I was going to be on an airplane headed down to Phoenix when the auction ended. So I kept throwing money at the guy because you told me it looked like a good car. I spent two, three hours <laughs> talking to him. <laughs> I spent two or three hours talking to him on the phone. I got to know the seller. Uh, he built the car himself. He spent years doing it. He loved it. He never drove it very much. And he kind of wanted to move on. But he was a super, super guy. And, and I really had a good feeling for him. So I told him, okay, buy the car. Back then, market, top of the market uh, for a, for an Alpha Spider was $15,000. John, what year was about this 2000. car? About 2000. No, 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 what year is it? 57. 57. And was it a, a Veloce or a Normale? Normale. Okay, so 57 Actually, it's, Normale. Uh, it's, an abnor- it's an abnormale, but uh, <laughs> well, it's not a Veloce. Yeah. Okay, but go ahead. So go ahead. So top of the market so was I what then? 15. Yeah. So I told the guy, I says, it's it's 15. You know, the top of the market is 15. You know, I'll give it to you. And he says, well, okay, well, let me think about it. That's, you know, I took the car to Barrett Jackson and asked them if they would auction it. And they said, well, they thought they could get 15 for it, uh, but it was not worth their trouble. So, he, you know, and everybody talks, you have the guy look at it. Everybody says 15. So, Make a long story short, uh, he wouldn't sell the car. He wanted the auction to play out. He says, just bid on it. Maybe you'll get it for 15 I says, I'll be on an airplane. I won't be able to bid on it. So I threw sixteen five at the guy, and he sold me the car. All kinds of hate mail from people on eBay. Uh, we flew down. I picked it up, drove it that weekend like a rental car, put it on a transporter, <laughs> sent it back home, and I still have the car. The car is just fantastic uh, it was everything everything that uh we hoped it would be done very very little to it until recently i'd driven enough that the engine needed to be gone through so i had nasco rebuild the motor and now you know it's just a great great car and uh totally happy with it can't uh, believe how something can have 80 horsepower and believe it's got 90. <laughs> so john i'm not going to ask you if you are 
happy with what you paid for the car because uh, I think at sixteen five we would call that pretty safe these days. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But, but I will ask you how it fits in with your collection because you've got a Lotus Elise, you've got a Jaguar E-Type, you've got a couple of Porsches. When do you decide to take the Julietta out compared to one of your other cars? Uh, well, the Julietta works. Well, I'll tell you my theory. You know, I never really plan. I don't plan ahead a lot. You know, if I'm going to do an event. I'll take a, you know, I'll plan on taking a particular car for the event because that's the event that the car fits into. Um, but usually, you know, I just walk out in the garage and some car speaks to me. And it's just the car that wants to be driven that day. And it's, it fits the day. It's a combination of the weather, what I'm doing, where I'm going, what I feel like, what I, you know, how well I slept and that sort of thing. So some days it's the alpha, other days it's something else. And that's the science. There's there's no science to it. Just kind of. But you know, when I got the when I got the car back from NASCO and it had a new motor in it, you know, I had to drive it every day because it was new. <laughs> there you go. Well, let's talk about a significant vehicle that you've owned but you let go. And I'd like for you to kind of walk through what that car was uh, and why did you let it go? Were you happy with what you got for it? And was that sale easy or was it complicated? So the car I'll tell you about. Uh, is is another Keith story. <laughs> I was minding my own business one night, just doing, you know, not bothering anybody when my phone rang and it was Keith and, and he says, okay, well, I need $1,500. <laughs> and I said, well, why do you, what, did you get arrested or something? <laughs> what do you need the money for? He says, he says, no, no, we're buying this car together and that's your half. <laughs> so it's oh okay well so are we buying like a, an alpha no a porsche no what are, what are we buying we're buying a saab oh no a 1965 saab 96 but wait there's more um this one i think also was on ebay but keith vetted it and the car was in helena montana so we were uh so he bought the car and it was a longtime owner. The guy had uh, had the car for a long time. He seemed like a good guy, he said. And we uh, flew to Montana, and we were going to drive the car back home. Back so we home get to Portland. the airport. So we get to the airport, and Keith looks at my big duffel bag and says, God, you know, you're really kind of packed pretty heavy for a two-day trip, aren't you? I said, no, no, I just got bare essentials. I got change of underwear and socks. I got some toiletries. I've got a toolkit. I've got gloves. I've got <laughs> knee pads. I've got tools. Because <laughs> you knew who you were going to be traveling with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we so we land in Helena, and this guy selling the cars. So he's got the car out there, and, and, and we, we come off, and uh, we meet, you know, and he shows us the car, and we kick the tires, and we're all kind of happy. And, and he says, uh, well, how are you going to get it home? And he said, we're going to drive it home. And he kind of, his mouth falls wide open. Are you going to drive it home? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, well, yeah, why not? So he just shakes his head and leaves as quick as he can. Yeah, how bad. So we leave Helena. We get to... Uh, Oh, I don't so, know. Some, so, John, uh, John, I'm going to jump in here for one second. First of all, you're leaving out the very important part that this was a three-cylinder, two-stroke sob. So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I thought everybody knew that. <laughs> no, uh, 
Secondly, you left out the part that you actually brought an apron with you so that if you had to get down on your – you bought knee pads and an apron. So if you had to work on the yes, car, yes. you weren't going to get yourself dirty or scrape your knees. Third, I this two, guy – one for each of us. I had one for each of us. <laughs> so this guy in Hillel, Montana made his living selling Indian artifacts uh, on the internet to people in Japan. Ah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. And he well, said – reassuring. What, yeah, when, yeah, and he and he said when he pushed the car into the garage a long time ago, he thought it was running really good. <laughs> a long time ago. Oh my <laughs> gosh! You know, there's a lesson learned you here. Never, you never told you never told me that part. Well, of course not, John. I, I did want to tell you that part. <laughs> yeah, there's a lesson here. If Keith Martin calls you at night, do not answer the phone. <laughs> yeah. So we drive off. We spend a night. We get into barely into Washington. We go through Spokane. And the right rear tire blows out. So we pull over, and I open up my bag, and, and he says, oh, look, it's a good thing you brought all that stuff, isn't it? Yes. So we, uh, so we swap out the tire. It had blown because the rubber was all, like, cracked from age, and it was a miracle it lasted as long as it had. So we get it all put together, and he's, okay, let's get going. I says, no, no, let's go. Let's turn around and go back to Spokane. <laughs> and he says, well, we can't go backwards. Yeah. <laughs> says, it's only 16 miles backwards, and we could go buy a set of tires for this car. So, says, well, why? We fixed the flat. We don't need more tires. <laughs> this is the <laughs> yeah, Martin mentality. You know, they're all just as bad. Yeah, they're all just as old as that one was. Yeah. Well, there's got to be places up ahead. There's got to be places up ahead. Oh, you mean like this place called Timbuktu? Or yeah, something? like so 400 we miles down the road. Yeah. yeah. So we go back to Spokane. We get a whole new set of tires, get them pumped up. We get going again, and we get John, a little John, further. Gonna, John, John, I want to jump in. There's more? One more second yeah, here. More. Because yeah. what I, John, was when he got the spare tire on, was so excited that he had the car on all four tires again that he stuck the key in the ignition and broke it off. Oh gosh! In the ignition. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that did happen. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, and I'm sure it gets better. Well, I think John put well, two so, screwdrivers in the ignition and fired the car, as I recall, too. You know, yeah. he's an yeah, attorney. Yeah, I, I had brought a little. I had I had a little uh, one of those little uh, jeweler screwdriver kits, you know. Oh yeah. Ninety nine cents at the uh, so, and I just took two of those and used them like chopsticks, chopsticks, and got the key out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, we'll carry on. So we get so we go so we go a little further. Uh, we, we we get you know a few miles, twenty miles more, maybe something like that, and we're cruising just fine. The car is going really good, until oh, it's not. And it just dives and blows, it blew the motor. So we pull over to the side. We're out in the middle of nowhere. And we're trying to figure out what's wrong. And we can quickly tell that everything's wrong with this motor. <laughs> everything. Yeah. What. So, uh, so Keith uh, decided that it was time to, to take a break. <laughs> and I, so he went uh, – so I took a little walk off the off the highway, you know, into the field, and and it comes back and says, you know, you're not you're not going to believe this. You got to come see this. I, says, oh, I really? found a motor. <laughs> our car, no, our car, our car had chosen to die in the pre precise spot where the Washington State Police 
dump all their roadkill carcass carcasses. Oh my gosh, that must have smelled sweet. There was a zoo of dead deer, dead cows, <laughs> dead dogs, dead everything over there. And oh my gosh. our sob. And a sob. Yep, the a car dead looked, sob. The car looked great there too. The car just kind of nuzzled right up next to him. It looked like it wanted to lay down on its side. Yeah, I'm sure it did. Yeah. And there's and there's Pete taking pictures of it and everything, you know. <laughs> so we get a tow truck, we get back to Spokane again, hop on an airplane, fly home, and call my wife. And I said, Hey, honey, can you like pick me up? Yeah, yeah, we'll pick you up. Yeah, where at the airport? At the airport, you're flying the car home. <laughs> yeah, not quite. <laughs> no, no, it's broke. So, so we flew home. I always ask about, you know, are you sorry that you had to let the car go? But I think you've already answered that question. <laughs> Well, no, we fixed it. We fixed it. What? We got a new motor in it. We got a new motor in it. Oh, uh, my gosh. Uh, we got it running. It actually started running really well and everything. My wife decided to name the car. She called it Lucky. <laughs> and uh, Keith and I had a coming out party for Lucky. We invited all our friends over to my house, and we had a barbecue. And we wouldn't let anybody have anything to eat until they drove the car first. Did you cook some roadkill on that barbecue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 we were talking about that. Oh my god. So, so it made me so it it made me think of the alpha. Yeah. And I thought uh you know I after this I was thinking you know looking at Lucky and I was thinking you know I really dodged a bullet with the alpha because I used Keith as my consultant. <laughs> and at the time I did not know that he was absolutely the world's worst car buyer. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm. I, you know, He's I'm terrible. <laughs> I'm learning this, and you know, uh, as we're talking on the phone here today, recording this show, Keith just bought another car, and he, he, I think he jokes for all of us readers. He always talks about all these things you're supposed to do when you buy a car, and he does none of them. So he's like the doctor that says, don't overeat, don't drink, don't smoke. And the doctor walks out of the room with a ciggy in his fingers and a shot glass and uh, cookies in his pocket. So, yeah, uh, this sounds very, very familiar. Well, you know, part of this question is, are you sorry you let the vehicle go? I'm assuming it's long gone by now. Uh, I, I met long the gone. man. Yeah, I met the man that bought it when I was back in Chattanooga. He has the car, and he says he loves driving Lucky around in his muddy field. <laughs> that, make, that makes sense. Looking for dead cows, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that is a story. And, you know, having had Keith's daughter on my show, she shared a few stories, too. So this is nothing new in Keith's world. Uh, this is just the life of Keith Martin. So, Keith, uh, why don't you ask John the next question about the vehicle that he'll never let go. Yeah, John, I know you've got some special cars you've had for a really long time. Tell us about the one that's just your long-term keeper and why. The one that I would never sell is one you had nothing to do with. Like <laughs> <laughs> 9-11. Oh, I love this. It's uh, my, I've got a uh, 1980 911 SC Targa, and uh, I'll never sell this car. It, it, there's nothing really special about it it's you know just a stock 911 sc uh it's oh i guess it's gotten kind of special with time but i bought that car in 1988 and, and the buy was pretty interesting too i was uh, i was looking for a, a 911 and i ran this is this is a real throwback you know a lot of your listeners won't even believe this was possible back in the old days, but I ran an ad in the want ads in the newspaper saying that I was looking, I was looking for a 9-11 and I got one call. Now it's this guy who is the uh, vice president of the local 
Porsche club. And he says, well, you got to come see my car. So he wanted like too much money for the car. I think, um, oh, I don't remember, this was 88. I think the market was like 15 to 18,000 and he wanted 23.5. So he says, but it's worth it. You really got to see it. So, okay. So I took my wife out to see the car one day. So I go up to his house and we pull up and it's sitting in the driveway and it looks just drop dead gorgeous. It's, you know, like a show car. And my wife takes one look at it and says, just buy it. And I said, well, we got <laughs> you married it. the right, the right <laughs> gal. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, his uh, Dale Hyman was the guy's name. So his wife was home. Dale was gone. And uh, she came out to see us. You knew we were coming and she showed us the car and uh, it was just drop dead gorgeous. So I uh, says, well, you want to drive? I said, yeah, let's go for a ride. So uh, she and my wife and I hop in the car and we go for a drive and we drive around. It drives just great. We get back to the house and by then Dale has come home and we pull up and he's out and takes takes one look inside the car and starts ragging on his wife because she let us drive the car without putting the floor mats in it. Uh-oh. <laughs> Picky guy. So I said, wow, that's good. Yeah, well, well, this guy's kind of anal. Yeah, just a bit. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I bought the car, uh, drove it every day, uh, learned how to uh, learn how to detail cars with it. I learned how to drive on the racetrack with it. I learned how to autocross with it. I never got that good at autocrossing, but I learned how to do car events. Uh, I, you know, I've done so many things with a car, uh, and I've added all these years, and it just. Um, uh, you know, it's just an old, old friend. You know, I get it, it was 38,000 miles, 36,000 miles. I got it. It now has 215,000 on it. Wow. The uh, motor's great. never been apart. Uh, most of the paint on the car is original. It paint the sample, so it's, it's a unique color. Nobody really knows what the sample was. So it's kind of a real light gray color. It's really nice on a Targa. It was driving kind of bad because it was old. So I took it to my friend Jeff Gamroth and asked him if he would go through it. So he just rebuilt the hole underneath the car, did all the suspension bits and everything, and now it just drives great. It's mm. The AC blows cold. It's just a cool car, and uh, I don't drive it very much, but every time I do, I really love it. That's nice. So I'll probably keep that one forever. Yeah. But it's not that the car is so special. It's just that it's special to me. I've done so many things in it, sure. and I've uh, been through so much with it. You know, it's just part of the family. I love it. Well, I like that you put so many miles on it. That's great. Let's take another short break with another special offer from our team at Sports Car Market. And we'll be right back to talk about what you would deem the perfect all-around collector car. So sit tight. Here's another buy, sell, hold special offer. Do you love knowing what the collector car market has done when it comes to values? Of course you do. The Sports Car Market Platinum Auction Database puts 31 years of auction results right at your fingertips on your mobile device or your computer no matter where in the world you are with nearly 300,000 records that's right 300,000 it has the information you need to make an informed decision on that oh so important classic or vintage vehicle purchase you'll receive all this for a mere $5.50 a month that's less than the cost of a sandwich as a buy sell hold podcast listener use the code 
PLAT50, that's right, P-L-A-T-50, to get this special discount. Just go to sportscarmarket.com slash platinum50, and the cart will automatically discount your order. Plus, Platinum subscribers also receive access to the full library of back issues of Keith Martin's Insider's Guides, a valuable resource for anyone in the market for collector vehicles. That's sportscarmarket.com slash platinum50. Get your discount today. So, John, we're back. What would be or is your perfect all-around collector car? Not the most expensive, not the most exotic, but the car that you would think would have the best user experience, make you smile, bring you joy, one that ticks all the boxes, the one that has it all for all-around use. Well, that's a tough question. You know, I've, I've never... And I've, you know, I've never been real focusing on on just one thing. You know, I've always liked variety and a lot of things. But uh, you know, every every mark has their ideal car. You know, there's um, uh, and they're all at different price points and levels and things. But I think just you know, kind of overall, uh, I'm not going to say anything that a thousand people haven't said before you know the uh, if you can only have one collector car and you want to be able to do the most things in the car the one that kind of i think gets you the most uh the most feedback and, and the most use is probably a, a not a 300 sl i'm sorry the, i'd go for the roadster not the gull wing because you, having an open top is, is is good you know but those cars do everything you know they're they've got plenty of power they drive comfortably you can get into just about any event that you want to they look great they're easy with they're reliable uh, it's kind of hard to beat that for an all-around car yeah they're 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 wonderful so yeah. let's go back yeah. to your business for a second john we started off talking about your business let's talk about the market today and how it affects your business and has your business changed because of what's going on in the market well, it has, you know, when, uh, before I started writing the legal files column, I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't do any collector car work. Uh, now I've got, you know, quite a bit of it to do. So it's, it's added to my practice. It, it hasn't taken it over and I don't really want it to. Uh, it's just, it's, it's enough to, to be fun and it's not enough to, to be work, you know, so I, I kind of manage it at a, at a fraction of, of my day. So it's been fun, but I've met a lot of people, made some real good friends with it. It's been just a, a great thing and it's out of the ordinary. It's fun. You learn a lot. You do a lot of interesting things. So, so that's been really a big difference today. You know, it's, it's been, it's been a challenging time today with all the, the dislocations and the, the virus and, and all of that. So it's kind of gone a little bit in the direction of conflicts rather than purchases and sales. You know, there's uh, a lot of uh, when times are good, all of the, the work that you get as a lawyer in this area are deals, uh, buying cars, selling cars, that kind of thing. When times start to get kind of bad, you get a lot more work doing things that people are, you know, people are unhappy about. They got ripped off on something. The car has been, been a problem. It's not as represented and and that sort of thing. So it's more, there's been more litigation focus to it lately, which is kind of interesting, but I'm not a litigator. I've got a partner who does that. And uh, so I I have him do a lot of that work, but that's kind of the, the way it's been tweaked here lately. 
What are some of the things that a client would come to you uh, and ask you to help them with when it comes to cars? Oh, we used to we used to a lot of 1031 exchanges until that uh, was removed from the law for we can't do 1031s with cars. Uh, I I've got a, I have a, I have a client that uh, hired me to help him buy a uh, C-type Jaguar from a seller in Europe, uh, in the UK actually. People come to me asking for help with uh, selling a car. If you're gonna sell a, or if you're gonna buy or sell a car, uh, and you're you got three, four, five million dollars floating around, it's kind of hard to just send the money to somebody and hope you get a car back. So you right. have to, yeah. So you, you kind of act as the, so I'll act as the escrow intermediary that handles the funds and advise on the transactions. Uh, right now we got a big case where. We're working on that two Porsche 904s that share the same chassis number. Oh yes, there's been a lot of that. I've had, uh, you know, a lot of cars that that get falsified historically. You know, uh, like uh, Porsche 911 RSRs. You know, uh, Carrera RSs. Those. You know, there, there's a lot of stories on those kinds of cars. All the TZ ones have had issues. Uh, you know, and you name it. There's all kinds of all kinds of cars that that gets modified or faked. There's some Corvettes are notorious, you know, matching numbers, Corvettes are, they're all matching numbers. <laughs> they weren't all always matching numbers. Right. But there's a, there's a lot of stuff like that. Yeah, that happens. Very cool. I think it's, then we do a lot of titling issues. You know, uh, uh, we, um, a lot of clients that we help to set up LLCs in Montana so they can, their car in Montana and not pay sales tax on it. You can do that uh, in Montana. You can do it in Oregon. The difference is in Oregon, the car has to live in Oregon. So uh, I've got a friend who has a storage facility that stores a bunch of cars for clients. So, so they live here. Uh, you register them here, no sales tax, real low registration fees, and that sort of thing. So it just kind of keeps on going. And then and I do uh, some estate planning for people that have large collections. Uh, you know, it's a big it's a big deal. I mean, I do, you know, estate planning is kind of a big part of my practice. But doing it for cars is a really different thing. Right. And most, uh, I know a lot of real, real top-notch estate planners all across the country, they don't know what to do with a car. So, you you know, you got a big stock portfolio, they're, they're able to help you no problem, but a car collection, they don't know what to do. Sure. So knowing about cars and being able to connect the two is... Is a, is a really useful combination. Absolutely. Well, John, you've taken us on a fun ride today. I knew this would be fun, especially listening to you two guys banter. I think we could do that all day long with all your adventures together. Uh, you're a treasure trove of knowledge, and I want to thank you for sharing your insights here on Buy, Sell, Hold. Uh, if you could give our listeners one little parting piece of guidance about buying, selling, and holding collector cars before we let you go, what would that be? Well, I've got to talk about the legal part of it. You know, you got to be careful that you got to make sure the car is what you want it to be and it isn't always what you want it to be you have to be realistic about it you have to be careful you have to be open-minded open-eyed and you have to just chase rainbows uh, if you're selling the car you have to you have to be careful about who you're selling it to there's a lot of a lot of situations I have where somebody sells a car and then the buyer sues them and says, well, it's not as good a car as you said it was. And, and also you have to get, if it's if there's enough money involved, it's always good to get legal help at the beginning rather than at the end to 
problems come and, you know, be respect. Don't get excited and don't get car horny like our other friend on the phone always did. <laughs> I was, boy, you, you beat me to the punchline there. I mean, car horny. Yeah, there's a new title for uh, Mr. Martin. I like that. That's <laughs> very cool. Well, you practice the old caveat emptor, buyer beware, seller beware, uh, definitely important. And I'll let our listeners know you can find uh, our guest here today, John Dranius, on his website. I'll put a link to that on his show notes page, which you can find on the Sports Car Market website or the Cars Yeah website. Everything that John shared today that is a pertinent information, uh, including the new term car horny, uh, will be listed on John Dranius' show notes page uh, here for Buy, Sell, Hold. John, thanks for being so generous today and and making this such a, a joy to chat with you. Uh, I hope to talk with you very soon. Uh, this has been a blast. It's been great to relive all these kind of amazing adventures that we've had over the years. And somehow I, th- I think there's more coming. Yeah, I'm thinking we just have an idea for a whole new podcast here, Adventures with Mr. Martin. You know, I mean, I, I I got a whole whole idea here. I think if I get a list of key friends to call, we could come up with a whole new podcast line. So thanks for sharing that insider <laughs> insider's guide. This has been great, John. Thanks so much. Keith, thanks for another great show. Uh, listeners, we'll bring another one to you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We hope you have shed some light today on the collector car market. You can listen to all the Buy, Sell, Hold podcasts at sportscarmarket.com and carsyeah.com. You'll find hundreds of inspiring automotive enthusiasts on the Cars Yeah website as well. Be sure to log into sportscarmarket.com and subscribe to Keith's SCM weekly newsletter. You'll find digital issues, insider event guides, and price guides, along with our platinum database, column profiles, classifieds, and many other resources. Join Keith and Mark next week to hear from another automotive industry leader who will help you determine when to buy, sell, or hold.